Okay, we're recording. Okay, so I'm here today. Good morning with my good friend Duncan Smith. Welcome morning. to the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show. So, Duncan, you flew in from DC Wednesday. Yes. For the for the five day event. So, the topic of this podcast is influencers, which to me is a I know it's a it's a new term that people use for social media or Instagram people, and and I'm not really sure I understand what that is, but in our industry. I'm talking to people that I consider influencers of our industry, and I, I definitely consider you one of those. And uh, I wanted you to tell the story how, not only kind of a little bit of your history and how how you've been involved in the marine industry for the majority of your career, but yeah. also how you got involved with this trade association because your your normal residence is in Alaska, so we should talk about that. That that if you're talking about opposite corners. Yes. Um, and, and you've been so actively and influential on the trade association. So, so tell me, tell your story. How'd you, uh, get into what you do? Well, uh, thank you for having oh, me here. Absolutely. You know, it's been, a, it's, it's always a pleasure. How many podcasts have you done? Uh, this is my first one. Okay. So there so, we go. Um, this is my maiden voyage <laughs> in, into podcasting and I'm, uh, looking forward to our conversation and, uh, you and I have known each other now for better than 20 years yes uh, we're not going to go into the details we of, were in first grade right <laughs> I, I i think i was in third grade okay uh, could be yeah could be but, okay um so i started in this industry because of a you know kind of a quirk of uh being drafted into the army when i was in law school and uh, ended up enlisting in the coast guard mm-hmm uh, just because I could and uh, ended up uh, with a Coast Guard background uh, starting out when I eventually graduated from law school, being a Coast Guard attorney. And then uh, I went from there. I did a little stint at the Treasury Department, which also, you know, in the original days was uh, Alexander Hamilton, who, mm -hmm. you know, yep, started, yep, yep. started the Coast Guard. So I uh, then went from there to Capitol Hill for 10 years doing legislative work. After that, I went into a law firm that did legislative work. And that's, uh, you know, fast forward, I started my own business of uh, actually doing regulatory and administrative stuff, otherwise known as being a lobbyist. Mm -hmm. And uh, in parallel to that, I kept my affiliation with the United States Coast Guard and I uh, was a was a reservist, so I was part time, so I could do all of these other things, and do Coast Guard at the same time. So there's that synergy between those two uh, career paths, if you will. And uh, you know, I ended up, you know, uh, being, I think, pretty successful in the Coast Guard. <laughs> yes. And um, so you're a rear admiral. Yeah, I re uh, retired uh, several years ago. Uh, be, I, I started out as an enlisted person and then went all the way up to being, a, you know, a, a two-star, you know, admiral. So uh, I thought that was uh, pretty, uh, pretty good. But it, it was because that I liked the maritime industry and I always remained affiliated with it. And I still am when I do work with the Coast Guard Foundation. So, uh, but... <clears throat> How did I get involved in recreational boating and the recreational boating industry uh, was during my time as a Capitol Hill staffer 
and uh, worked on various legislative initiatives. I worked on the House side uh, on the Merchant Marine Fisheries Committee, and it uh, had jurisdiction over this area, and we would do you know legislative things there. So when I went on to private practice and being in my own business, I kept working on those issues and uh, was fortunate enough to uh, run into this problem that the Marine Industries Association of South Florida had with uh, the Longshore Act. And uh, that's when I met you. Mm -hmm. And that's when we started working together because you were uh, heading up that effort by, by the trade association. But now before that, if I recall, you had the reputation or the <laughs> honor of being the one that had the most uh, amendments, waivers, right. For private yachts. Well, for, for for recreational yachts. Well, for all all boats. All boats. Okay. You know, commercial and recreational. Uh, uh, in in the time when I was doing that work, uh, there uh, there was a wasn't as much an emphasis on the Jones Act as there is today mm -hmm. in terms of uh, industry lobbying. But in those days, uh, you could go and get a waiver. And many of them were recreational. Mm -hmm. You know, the smaller ones that wanted a charter and, and they found out they couldn't because they had to get a Jones Act waiver because they were foreign built or foreign owned right. or something like that. Yeah. So I guess where I was coming from with that is that you always had kind of this understanding and willingness to support the industry. So yeah, that's and, important. Yeah. And I did some uh, work on the early parts of the uh, federal boating is a uh, safety act and mm -hmm. you know different different aspects like that so uh and uh i've been um uh, i have probably always worked on a recreational boating issue almost my entire career well so how i met you so uh i'll try to be very brief in my story about it you know the our industry was caught up in this federal act Right. That basically, because the boats had gotten bigger, this act that required uh, boats over 65 feet, you under 65 feet, you could be excluded from the Longshore Act. Over 65 feet, you had to be subject to this federal workers' comp, which right. at the time was four times more than state comp. And the only reason is because the boats got bigger. And I remember going to the Marine Industries Association, and they were like, you want to do what? You know, that's kind of a lot. You know, you want to you want to fix a federal? And so then I brought it to the... National Marine Manufacturers Association, yeah. and uh, so they were the they were the federal uh, trade association, and so they said, "You want to do what? I don't think so." Right. But the person that was in charge of their legislative at the time um, really kind of turned it down. But they had a, a a second in command who went also and said, "You know, I know somebody," and ended up going to work for that same firm. <laughs> and you were the first person to say, "I understand." But it's gonna take a long time, and I and and I that was our first conversation, and I was like, yeah, but he didn't say no, and I'll make it go faster. It's not gonna take that long, and boy, did you remind me of how long it took. But I, what I appreciate is that every year, or every two years, we got a bill introduced. We found a new sponsor to do that, right. and a lot of that was obviously your passion and following up. I can have an idea, but you 
you always figure it out. And my favorite word was, you know, how to work with the parliamentarians, <laughs> you know, they, they, and with people I, I still don't know if they actually exist on, on how to convince people that this is not a, really a maritime issue. This is an issue that the boats got bigger and the law's outdated. Right. simplified right. but i i mean we we testified before congress right. uh we were able to put all of that but if it wasn't for you really sticking with it and guiding us i don't think we would have ever made it as far as we did and we did yeah well i think uh <clears throat> like many industries the recreational boating industry and all the people who are in it uh and i'm not talking about owners of boats i'm talking about the people who the businesses. serve mm -hmm. The boats, the what I call the supply side of the industry, sure. and uh, they are touched by federal law in so many different ways. <laughs> and uh, one of the fascinating things about my career in dealing with the Marine Industry Association and all of the people involved, like you and others, it has been how many different places in the federal government we've had to go to fix a problem. Yes. Uh, the, the Longshore Act was the Labor Department, mm -hmm. and uh, which was significant. The Longshore Act is one of the building blocks of the trade you know, union, um, trade unions. And uh, what did they always tell us? They understood, but they said it was the the camel's nose under the tent, yes. or the slippery slope. That once you open it to change, then right. many other people would want it. And we were like, no, 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 it's just about us. We don't want to. Right, right. And it, and uh, so we had to, to basically expand an existing exception that the industry had gotten many years before. And so um, it took a long time to do that. Uh, it took us to a lot of different places, uh, dealing with a lot of different people, a lot of different staff. Uh, but we eventually got the a change to that that you know we thought would give us the relief we wanted and i'm convinced to this day that it is the relief you want. i think it absolutely you know, the, is the there are if if people want to talk about the deep state uh you know there are the people in the administration who administer these laws uh, they were very resistant they they thought that we were getting away with some kind of crazy thing uh, and I think that they may have understood it, but they didn't like the fact that we were able to make the change. And so they, uh, when they implemented it through the regulatory process, they made it a very arduous process to qualify. And, you know, we're still dealing with that uh, to this day. But there are people who can take advantage. Oh, absolutely. And I will tell you, the one thing that I learned is that the value of building these relationships mm -hmm. is, and, and I, I still stand on a soapbox uh, that say, always keep your relationship with your legislators, even if they don't happen to be the party you agree with. If they are your legislator, they need to understand your business. Right. You have to develop those relationships before you need something so right. that when you need something, they know who you are. Right. And so many times uh, as citizens, we complain and we don't like that one party or we didn't like that. And I, I will put it on the record to say that, you know, our industry is predominantly Republican, but it was a Democrat administration. It was a Democrat-led uh, congressperson that, that saw this through. And, and it was basically because they understood the issue. Right. And that has taught me that, again, you can have your party, but you need to work with the legislators that are in your area. And I think you've done a good job of 
helping people understand that we're going to have a meeting. We don't have to like, the, you know, we don't have to agree on everything. We just need them to agree on our issue. Yeah. And it's so important. And, and being prepared for that, um, you know, before going in, just kind of <clears throat> being able to anticipate questions and Correct. answer them and uh, basically have, have the answers that they would normally, you know, ask. Some people just don't want to change, and we ran into some of those yes, people. Yes, yes. And uh, that's that's what uh, you know, that's what uh, we had to overcome. But, but we it, were able to do that, and uh, since then, uh, because of those relationships, uh, going beyond the labor department, we've had things to do with the state department, with the commerce department, with the coast guard, with uh, CBP, CBP, with Marad. Uh, and it, it just, and now, so I'm going to interrupt you cause it's a yeah. podcast. So oh. to go back, so we're going to say we had issues with us coast guard. We had to educate them on. Well, the, f first of all, what, what, what the industry was about Yep. and, uh, that these were a type of vessel that weren't commercial. Correct. That, so they, 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 their, the construction of them and the operation of them was very different. And, uh, it, you know, they had had some experience with uh, the numbering systems and, sure. the doc you know, the documentation of the larger boats, but they really never understood the the day in, day out of the industry. So we had to, you know, explain that to it. them, yeah. explain that to them. Yeah. And then uh, you mentioned CBP, that's the uh, clearance and, and allowing have, the boats to come in and proceed yeah, and have cruising licenses. Cruising licenses, uh, they do the receiving end of the visas. Yep. We went to the State Department for the sending part of the of the visas and we actually got some changes to the State Department uh, Foreign Affairs Manual to facilitate the issue. To get the right visa. The right visas. So there are all these little quirks that uh, where there are differences with the way commercial vessels operate and what they're about and private you know, recreational vessels. Well, I think you've been a big guardian of making sure that we don't get caught up in unintended consequences. Right, right, right. And that's where we, we have to keep this going. And even if we've made progress, I'm a big right. believer that if we don't keep it going, then we'll end up slipping backwards. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a constant battle, yeah. you know, um, if, as soon as you lay down your tools, you lose. And so, um, you know, and of course, that's the way I make my living. So uh, it, it, it was, a, you know, I think it's important. But uh, whether I do it or somebody else does it, uh, uh, the trade association, you know, that you were heading up at the time and that has continued with these issues has been at the forefront of doing that. And uh, for a trade association from South Florida, you know, it's it, it has this actually very nationwide and then in some cases international uh you know uh impacts that uh have kept the industry you know on a even keel if you will well thank you for being a part of that and leading that and guiding us we we did we wouldn't have known how to do it if it wasn't for you so thank you for being an important influencer and well, I, I look forward to the next next big project okay okay I'll, i'm there for you all right okay. sounds good thanks good. duncan okay. thanks for thank joining you, me Christy. okay right bye Bye. See?